0: Powered Powered. by Righteous Media. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Firefighters Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Serra. Well... Last week, I spoke about mass shootings, and uh, it's only gotten worse. Um, I don't know. (laughs) What do we even say anymore? I don't think words uh, can properly uh, do anything to fix what's going on. Um, We need actions. With that, I'll say that it seemed like members of Congress were were in more of a hurry to get rid of uh, daylight savings time. Then they are solving the issue of of people using these guns to murder uh, many, many people at once. Um, so I don't know. Um, you know, I don't like to delve into politics, but I'll just say this. You know, everyone says that that America is the land of the free, and we're a free country, but but are we? Do we have freedom? Are we a democracy? How are we a democracy when the person who gets the most votes doesn't actually get to become president? That's not a democracy right? The Electoral College is not a democracy. Lobbying, being legal is not a democracy. How is it okay that these corporations can just basically buy votes? They can pay politicians by making donations to their campaign funds, however they want to filter it, uh, to vote how they want. That's not freedom. That's not democracy. These, these, These politicians aren't acting in our best interest. If they're being paid to vote a certain way, come on. So until we get rid of lobbying, we're not a free country. So let's stop playing ourselves and stop letting them use that word to make us uh, hate and fight each other, right? And then, of course, there's term limits. So these people get paid to vote a certain way. They also get these huge coffers to keep making sure that they keep getting reelected for 30, 40, 50 years. We're worried about who's president when we have people sitting in Congress for 40 years. Really? Those people are the ones in touch with the working class. Those people are the ones in touch with everyday Americans. Please. We're not a democracy. We're not a free country. We're run. I don't know what the word would be. A, a corporatocracy? Is that what we are? I don't know why, if that's even a word. I think I just made it up. But that's the kind of content we bring here on the Vio podcast. But seriously, we got to do something. We got to do something about the mental health crisis, but we also have to do something about the gun crisis. As I said last week, and that's that. And just as a side note, why don't we uh, do away with gerrymandering? Have you ever looked at some of the districts around this country? Like that one down in Texas? Um, You know what I'm talking about. That's shaped like the logo of the Indianapolis Colts. That's right, a horseshoe. That's freedom. That's democracy. Drawing lines around the people that you know won't vote for you so you can ensure that you, you stay in office. That's not right. That's not what's best for the people. What's best for the people is getting the people that they want to represent them to represent them. And that's that. A majority of the people. That's a democracy. Not allowing the minority to stay in power because they draw lines around all the people that won't vote for them. Anyway, (laughs) we move on. I'd like to congratulate now Lieutenant Justin Ensman, formerly of Squad 18, on his promotion. Um, Justin was in Squad 18 for almost 20 years. Um, He was one of the guys that that helped the company get back on its feet. He was one of the guys that helped it uh, grow and become what it is today. Um, So he'll be missed. You know, I often talk about those guys. Uh, Justin is definitely one of those guys Um, for me personally, you know... uh, (laughs) During my many trips to the emergency room uh while I was at squad eighteen, Justin Justin was always there, uh, making sure that my family was taken care of and doing the right thing. Um and I never forgot that. He's always kept in touch. Uh so again, he'll be missed, but uh another company out there will be all the better for it. I'd like to thank Ladder Twenty for allowing me to join them on their boys not out last week. Um I guess it helps that my brother's the captain, but but anyway. Those guys are awesome. Uh, it was a great time. Um, they're a true firehouse. Uh, that you can tell that they, they genuinely care about each other and uh, they genuinely enjoy hanging out with each other. And that's what it's all about. So I had a great time with those guys. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you to the 9-11 Memorial uh, for having me on your panel last week. It was a good time. Uh, it was a nice experience uh, to go up there and, and talk about uh, some of the stuff that I've been part of. Uh, it was pretty cool. It was also cool to find out that, you know, I was told that they play an excerpt from my oral history that I gave a few years ago at the museum to the probies. Uh, You know, I guess a day when the new guys and girls are in the academy, they bring them to the 9-11 museum, um, you know, to see what it's all about. And apparently they play an excerpt from my oral history because I was a probie. As you may know, it was my first day. Um, so hopefully they take something from that. Maybe they can learn uh, something from that, and that's pretty cool. If anything, it tells you that uh, the second you you throw your fifteen cents in the bucket and put your your hand in the air, um, anything can happen. Right? Uh, it doesn't matter whether you have a day on the job or twenty years. Um, you know, it's on. So thank you to the museum uh, again. That was great. Uh, I like to share a little story uh, at Justin's party, speaking of of you know, the new guys uh carrying on the traditions. Um at Justin's uh promotion party a couple weeks ago. I was getting ready to leave. Um and the bar was crowded, uh, as they tend to get in the West Village on the weekend. Um and I was saying my goodbyes, but I was, you know, trying to make my way through the crowd. Uh, I have a tough time in crowds, especially with the cane. And I said goodbye to Manny Mojica Jr. Um, if you don't know, Manny's father worked in Squad 18 and was killed on 9 11. Um, and Manny is now an FDMY firefighter, which is awesome. And he looks just like his dad. He's got the muscles, the mustache, you know. He looks the part. Um, so I said goodbye. You know, I, I, I've met him several times, but I wouldn't say I know him very well. Um, his, his whole family was there, which was cool for Justin. So I said my goodbye. And then as I'm trying to leave, I feel a tap on my shoulder and it was Manny. And he said, don't worry, I'm gonna get you out of here. Uh, I didn't ask for this, but uh I thought it was pretty cool, you know, and he just walked ahead of me, made me made a hole, and uh got me outside and uh gave me a hug and, and sent me on my way. Um and I just thought, you know, how proud his dad would be that his son is uh, you know, on his way to being one of those guys, you know. Um and and he's a he's a great, uh, respectable young man and respectful and I appreciated it, but I also thought it was cool, you know, for his dad um, to look down and see that. So thank you, Manny. Keep going. I look forward to seeing you in Squad 18 someday. I think that'll be pretty awesome. And this week's roll call will be dedicated to the memory of retired FDNY firefighter Paul Greco, Squad Company 270, who passed away in May of 2020 after a long battle with 9-11 related illnesses. Um, His son is my guest this week. As I'm sure you saw, uh, but Paul was one of those guys. Um, Paul played a, a large role in helping Squad 18 rebuild after 9/11. Um, he volunteered to go work there for for a year or so, just to help the company get back on its feet because uh, you know we lost seven members, which I always thought was cool, you know. And uh, the motto of the New York Rangers, which is the organization that his son Anthony plays for now. Uh, is no quit in New York. And I can't think of someone who better represented that motto than Paul. You know, he fought. He, he It was amazing. You know, Paul is, is symbolic of what we go through in the nine eleven 11 community. Um, he was healthy. He was a runner. He looked like he was, you know, always the, the guy in the room in the best shape. Um, very active. And then one day he just woke up and couldn't walk and couldn't breathe. And then everything started. It seems to be how it happens to us, um, which is why, uh, you know, it's so alarming and why it's uh, something that's always in the back of our minds. But but Paul fought it, you know, and and he had, tried I'm not going to get too much into his illnesses, but he had trouble with his vision. Um, it was coming and going. And, uh, you know, so... So he didn't get to watch a lot of his son's games, uh, towards the end, uh, because his vision was, was blurry, but, uh, you know, he kept fighting. Um, and, and another part of his story was in, in 2019, uh, when they finally moved back to New York and, and got their household set up, Paul was in for eye surgery and a fire ripped through their house and destroyed it. Um, couldn't have been worse timing. Uh, not that a fire in your house is ever good timing, but, uh you know just another obstacle for for him and his family to fight through but uh but they did um and paul kept going uh so this episode is dedicated to him but also you get to hear what a great father he was um even when anthony's not talking directly about his dad you can hear it just in how anthony conducts himself so uh he'd be very proud um i know we all were proud when we got to watch him escape uh, for the blue shirts um well, let's hear what he has to say about it. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Greco. Joining me this week, we have a very special guest, professional hockey player and son of a firefighter, Anthony Greco. Anthony, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's get right in there, man. Um, if you don't know we're going to put up links to the story about Anthony's dad uh, firefighter, Paul Greco, who passed away from nine 11 illness, but uh, this year, something special happened. Um, Anthony got called up to play for his favorite childhood hockey team, the New York Rangers. Um, I want to start there and then I want to go back, but uh, what was that like, man? That had to be awesome. How did it feel putting that Jersey on?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it was just the the whole experience was crazy. I mean, from the start, it, the COVID was kind of coming back into play, and coming into the season, they were having the taxi squads and stuff like that, and um, and guys started getting kind of called up for you know guys that were either getting injured or getting COVID, and um, and we were playing in Rochester at the time we had just played a game actually uh, and it was a tight game. And um, so I, I remember being pretty angry after the game and just with how things kind of played out in that game. And then um, we were just kind of stretching and our coach came down and said, me and another guy were going to head to Los Angeles. And the team was New York was in Los Angeles at the time. And so it was, a pretty decent trip to kind of get called up for They were doing their West coast swing, I guess. And
0: yeah,
1: it was kind of just a whirlwind from there. And, you know, I think with how many guys were there, you didn't know if it would, it would have taken a lot of guys to be out of the lineup to get in the lineup, but guys were kind of dropping like flies at the time. But, um, and it was really, I'd only played one game previous. So it was, it was, uh, still a very antsy moment, I guess, and nervy moment, but yeah, we got to LA and they don't really give you much. They don't really tell you what's, you know, where you gotta be, what you gotta do. I mean, even what you gotta wear. I had no clothes on me. I had nothing. So, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, just to get there, then they were in LA uh, or played Anaheim, played LA. And then, we were out for practice. I got put on the active roster. Um, and we went out for morning skate in San Jose and we're kind of skating around and guys, it starts to kind of flow through the team about, you know, this guy might've tested positive positive, that guy might've tested positive. And I kind of had a feeling that I was probably the next guy going in and they, it's as simple as they kind of come up to you and they say, yeah, you're, you know, uh, I think it was, Lafreniere or Strom maybe or no Lafreniere that tested positive and they're like yeah you're playing tonight. I was like, <laughs> I guess that's it. Awesome, right? Yeah. So, so then you had
0: to, then you had to start making your phone calls, right? I, I remember. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, the text from your mom. She was all excited. Yeah, you try and not give her a, a heart attack and you know, <laughs> kind of just yeah ease her into it, but right. But I gotta uh, tell you, man, you 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 played
0: awesome. Um, you know, if that, if that's the only, uh, whatever you got nine minutes or whatever, that's all you get from them. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it was awesome. Um, should be proud of that. But what, what I, what I thought was great was your, uh, your interview during the intermission. Um, you handled that, you know, I, I don't know if you were prepared. Did you know they were going to interview you or?
1: I think you kind of know based on like how you're playing. Right. And then I don't think anybody was very aware of like the story behind everything. And I think leading up to the game, it was starting to kind of leak out about, you know, what it meant to me and family and stuff like that. So I, they, they just grabbed me after the first period. I've been playing pretty well up to that point and they just go like, yeah, you're, you're getting interviewed. And I was yeah. like, okay.
0: Better than giving you time to think about uh, what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right?" But uh, when they asked you about your dad, like you handled that perfectly. You know, I, I was getting choked up watching it. I don't know how you held it in, but, uh, that, that was a good moment though. And, and what you said was, was perfect. You know, that's my son had just told me the same thing like the day before that going to the games with me, was his favorite thing to do, you know? Yeah, for so, sure. So uh, you, you had all of us crying back home, but <laughs> you did a great
1: no, job. It was good. And it was just, uh like you said, it, it kind of, you're in the middle of a game. So it's right. You're just trying to like stay focused on the game. And I know some of the, like staff and management wasn't like thrilled that they brought it up in the middle of the game. Cause they right. were. Kind of like yeah. The I, I couldn't
0: believe it either. I was like, that seems like a post game <laughs> question,
1: not an game thing. Right. But no, it was good. And I, I was my focus was on playing the game and, and playing well. And it, uh, you kind of just take it as it comes.
0: You did. I, I'm sure you've heard this by now, but, uh, when, when they said you had 343 minutes of ice time in the first period, that was like, everyone would just, crazy. You know, that they were doing crazy. Uh for you, I know most of our listeners know this, but 343 is the number of firefighters that were killed on 9-11. So, uh, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy that that's what you came in at. What'd you have like yeah. four or five shots on net too?
1: Yeah, I think I ended the game with five shots and uh, yeah, but I had I know, a couple of we points. We were
0: screaming, and... <laughs> I had the little guy, I kept him up. He was screaming at the TV, but uh he
1: became awesome. his
0: favorite player after that. I know you met him a few weeks ago <laughs> and for for like three days after, he would just come up to me and ask me random Anthony Greco facts. Like, <laughs> Dad, what teams has Anthony Greco played on? How many goals does he have? How many times was he in the All-Star game? But uh, he became obsessed with the video. I don't know if you ever saw this. Somebody did a side-by-side of you and McDavid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the skates. So yeah. he became obsessed with watching that video. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you guys don't know, Anthony was in the AHL All-Star game.
1: Um, what was, was your game before the NHL game that year? I think it was the, like, we were day after. So we did the skills Sunday, and the NHL did the skills Saturday. That's how they did the comparison, I guess.
0: So you knew, did you know on the ice that you beat McDavid's time?
1: I didn't know that I beat his time. I knew that I broke the American League record. I know I just had to get under, like, 13-3 or something like that. And so they, yeah, that. And it was at home in Springfield, which was which was awesome with, was with cool. the fans there. Yeah.
0: So we, we were all together, the uh FDNY hockey team. We were out in LA for a game. Um, so we were all at the bar watching that. It was awesome. <laughs>
1: that's was cool. I mean, that's what gets me excited about. It. It's like having you guys and and family and, and friends getting to watch it. And right. that's the yeah, it's it the night, the after effect of you know, knowing that people were watching was is the the thing that makes you kind of the most appreciative of it
0: yeah man and like i said the kids have you been getting a lot of uh, attention from the
1: kids yeah for sure yeah. it's just so when that stuff happened and the ranger stuff happened it's uh you get the messages on social media and stuff like that and it's that's that's the most to me that's the the coolest part of all of it yeah
0: For sure. It's a lot. Uh, A lot of people don't know the sacrifice that goes into being a professional hockey player, more so than any other sport. Um, You, uh, you went to Minnesota when you were what, 14? 12. 12? 12, yeah. So, you know, most hockey players, myself included, we have to leave home, um, leave your family and go to the middle of, you know, nowhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just to just to play a sport like people you know it's it's hard to explain that to other people but especially in new york city if you wanted to go to a prep school you you had to at least drive three or four hours to new england it wasn't it was nothing yeah. really close right
1: yeah and... i don't know
0: you went to shattuck st mary's uh do you know that they're in a league now with northwood and like four other schools they formed like a prep league
1: yeah i've i've kind of like loosely kept track of what was what's been going on and it's definitely changed from when i was there like it was it was pretty cut and dry like simple with you know they had you have minnesota high school hockey that's right. obviously a big thing out there and so we'd play a couple of the, the bigger teams in that league and then we played usa hockey it was just you know chicago detroit you know connecticut all, all those places. teams and stuff yeah yeah
0: yeah, I don't even know what this league is, but I'd imagine it's probably only like a month, right? I mean, the six teams spread out all over the country; they can't, yeah, possibly travel that much. But uh, I used to text your dad um, whenever Northwood would beat Shattuck. I'd send him a, little, send him a screenshot or, or a picture of it just to let him know. Uh, yeah, he used to. I, I worked with him. I don't know, probably like four or five times. Um, he was in 270 and I was 18. Yeah. So, you know, we would, and we had a hockey team with them. Um, yeah. so, uh, but he used to get so excited talking about, uh, you were still there. I guess you were there at the time. Um, yeah. he used to get so excited talking about it. I guess he had somebody to talk hockey with. So that's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's somebody how we became to, friends. Yeah. To vent with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> vent about all the nonsense. And- um, that, that was, that's what was so great about, uh, getting to see you play for the Rangers. I I don't know if you remember this. I, I went watched you play up at Penn State a few times uh, on the road trip with the guys. Uh but one one time specifically I remember we were in a bar, obviously, uh <laughs> after the game. Uh you were pissed. I remember all I remember is you were pissed. I wouldn't talk to anybody after the game. Yeah. But uh we we're in the bar talking and all we were talking about was how great it would be because we knew you had a shot, you know how great it would be to see you play for the Rangers. And it was like, like to see that come true was was just awesome
1: yeah it it came full circle and I knew having played against Hartford for years in the American like when I first started and I'd played against them so much and they had the familiarity with with me and I was like yeah if I you know if I could ever get the chance to sign there and they had interest and the way it kind of all just like went full circle and kind of lined up was you know And it's, it would have been nice to get in at at MSG and, um, but yeah, just to put, it's a surreal thing that kind of put the Jersey on and all the memories, like you said, of going to the games growing up and, you know, seeing how many guys played for them. And it's still, I think even to this day now, it still hasn't even fully resonated maybe yeah, Years not on, that uh, many New York
0: City guys have played for the Rangers, right? I mean, it's a lot of Long Island guys, but not five boroughs, right? I, I could think yeah. of the Mullins, uh, Brian Mullin, uh, Nicky yeah. um, who taught me how to escape, by the way. Uh, if you could believe that, he taught anyone how to escape. But uh, <laughs> my first lessons were with him. Uh, but I can't really think of that many other people, right? I don't know. Not Maybe Ma- I know. Matthew Schneider, I think, was born in Manhattan, but I don't know if he ever lived here. But.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it went full circle and yeah. it was, uh, just, I've, I've just to have dad be FDMY and mm-hmm. have that kind of connection to the city. Like that to me is, was even bigger. It was just like a, he's worked in the city and was a firefighter and with the FDMY and nine 11 and mm-hmm. you make so many connections and around so many firefighters, like you guys coming up to Penn state and the softball tournaments and the, you know, everything. It was to kind of be representative of that was the most important thing to me.
0: Absolutely. And and your father played a big role in helping the job rebuild after 9-11. I know he he volunteered to come to Squad 18, um, which wasn't his company, but we had lost seven guys on 9-11. So he was one of those guys who came and what he worked there for like a year or two. Um, Something like that, yeah. Just to help the company get go because the company was brand new to begin with. They just opened yeah. in ninety-eight. Um, and then to lose seven guys and not to mention the guys who got hurt and were dealing with, with their own their own issues. Um, so yeah, I mean he played a big role in getting that company uh back on its feet and 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 moving forward. And and you know, for anyone who's been to New York City, you know what the FDMY means to New York City. You know, it's kind of the uh the heartbeat, no offense to the other agencies, but uh <laughs> you know there's that like seeing that big red truck drive by
1: no it, and even going into the city like when we'd go in for either games or as i got older we'd start going just to get beers and and stuff like that and walking by you know the houses and stuff and him basically having a story with each place and yeah. he showed me where Squatty team was and um we used to when we drive into the city for ranger games there was i don't remember which um engine or company it was but he would walk in and they'd give him a parking spot and we'd be able to walk to the game and put the we're plaque not supposed in.
0: to talk about that <laughs> that was probably uh 24 and one it's down the street from the garden but uh yeah we don't we don't talk about that People <laughs> uh was it when you so when you were at shattuck was it was it hard being away, knowing that he was, you know, still working and going to the fires and stuff? We we worried, or did you? Were you just too young to think about? It's that? one
1: of those. You're so young, where it's like, I I skip, still give my mom crap about it. Where it's I left when I was twelve to see what a twelve year old looks like now is crazy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I have one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like we we said that when I saw you at the game a couple of weeks ago, it's like. Oh, that's, that's really young. Like that's so, and I remember my mom just being distraught the day I left yeah. for me and my dad to, to drive out there. And, um, and then I remember specifically one time, I think it was, yeah, it was my first year there. He got burned in a fire, his side of his head or his ear. and
0: Yeah. His ear. I remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that kind of freaked me out a little bit um you don't think about it too much cuz he was kind of the he kind of epitomized like never worry about me kind of thing it's mm-hmm. it's not like i'm i'll be fine and so he kind of gave that he just kind of had that confidence and and that kind of you kind of felt that and so you you never worried about that and he even came out and showed up to a game in Wisconsin, I think, and surprised me at a game, like right after that happened. And I think that was his way of kind of being like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm all good. Okay.
0: I got some time off now too. I can come watch you play.
1: <laughs> Get back on the road. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. That, that was the hardest part for me that was, was leaving my family. And I, retrospectively, my mom died while I was there. I was like a week into my second year uh so for me it was like that all the stuff that i gave up kind of jumped like i was forced to dwell on it while it was still happening because it's hard not to you know yeah exactly the stuff you miss out on is as you know it's it's irreplaceable but yeah uh, it's also emblematic of what our families sacrifice right i mean you're the son of a fireman and and a nurse uh you know, I don't know. I felt that way, like a little bit out of place at at a fancy prep school, but, uh, but what they went through just, I mean, your your mom moved out there, didn't she? Um, you know, just the stuff that, that, that hockey parents do just so their kids can play is is insane. It's,
1: it's, it's insane. You don't realize it until you get older and and yeah, to, to see it now and to be away from kids, then my mom moving out and dad's stand back in new york i think he was living at his at my grandparents house and just going back and forth to driving because that's he didn't fly it's what he just enjoyed driving and so just to separate my mom and him for that long of a time just so i could go to play hockey and it's it doesn't it doesn't really uh get through to you until it's it's kind of all said and done and right. it's yeah you, you basically realize parents lives about their kids at, right. at that, so
0: wait till you're taking your kids to the rink at 5 a.m on a saturday <laughs> yeah, exactly. after after drinking with the boys all
1: night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, know, you like, realize it then. just drink so many beers that I, I couldn't do this <laughs> i
0: don't know i don't know how your, your father like he would drink like that and then wake up in the morning and go run ten miles. I don't understand how we how he could do that. I don't know.
1: Gene, yeah. It's uh he you never you'd see him drink twenty beers and then he'd be the best at I think <laughs> he might have passed this on down, but yeah, he didn't never show that he was hurting or <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I
0: but I think he might have done that up like he might have gone a little overboard just to show you that he wasn't hurting, you know. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Definitely did. That was funny. Um, all right, man. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep you all day. I could talk about hockey forever. Oh, no, um, yeah, you So, the Rangers moved on last night. Is it weird for you to watch? Uh, it's got to be hard. Like, you know the guys, but also there's got to be a fire in you that just wants to be out there, right? Like, is it, does of it make course. it hard?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it happens. It's happened every year the NHL playoffs start, if you're involved with one of those teams to not be playing and to kind of watch them and you feel so not left out, but you're like, it's a weird feeling to know. It's like, Oh, I was, I was played there with those guys at one point, went to camp with them and to kind of just watch them on TV as sort of like a fan now is just, uh, I, the same thing happened last year with Florida. It's like you go to my mom came out, we went to a Panthers game and it's like, there's guys on the ice that, you know, I went to training camp with and played with. And, you know, so it's a weird to kind of, I've always been under the sense of like, I never, I don't want to be a fan. Like I don't enjoy being a fan. It's not how I want to be as a hockey player so to kind of watch them and I'm happy for the players that they're winning and, and doing well and um, texting with some of the guys that are with the team. And um, it's exciting for them to watch because, you know, they've been through it all season and have gone through it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird kind of, I'm sitting on the couch and yeah, guys are playing kind of thing. So
0: I, I was thinking about that before, like, like You know, hypothetically, what if COVID ran through the team again? We, are you guys able to move up, or is, it, or is the roster, like, locked in the playoffs? They have starts?
1: guys, like, they have, uh, they call them black aces, oh, essentially. Right. So they brought a, a group of guys up, and they got so many guys at the trade deadline. So yeah. they, they were pretty full to begin with. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, uh, I don't think they are grabbing me off the couch yeah. <laughs> after not skating for a while to go play, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you should have. You should have played a couple weeks ago. You should have brought your shit. How, how old are you now? Have you aged out? Did, did you ever take the test?
1: No, never did. No? They went on I, I was, there was years to? where I'd go to the game, the SMI game, and like I should just take the test just to like go out there for the game once in a while. Yeah, It'd be great.
0: Yeah, I, I just took the test. I didn't. I didn't really. uh it wasn't what you know something i planned on it just happened you know yeah yeah there's a lot of us like that all right so uh off season right we we don't know what's going on next year yet
1: back to yeah basically it's free agency uh, yeah just talk to them and see how you know playoffs nothing really begins until the you know somebody wins right and they kind of, everybody starts getting ready for next year and July one, is or whatever it is this year, and figure out what's next.
0: All right. Well, we'll be rooting for you. Hopefully we get to see you at MSG at some point. I don't
2: That's care what jersey point. you're
0: wearing. I just want to see. Exactly. You yeah, <laughs> exactly. To the point. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, maybe we'll up, give us an update next year. We'll see, uh, see where you're at. Hopefully uh, we have some good news to bring everybody, but. Uh, Absolutely. This is Anthony. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good luck. Enjoy your summer. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, bro.
2: Hey, guys. It's Frankie. And welcome back to Frankie's fire Feast. For today's recipe, we will be making Chris Kreider's favorite meal, gluten-free Hawaiian pizza. He's my favorite ranger, by the way. For this recipe, you will need gluten-free dough or cauliflower crust. You can make your own, but my dad prefers to get it from pastosas in Staten Island. Fresh pineapple and ham, crushed tomatoes, olive oil, salt and pepper, and shaved mozzarella. First, preheat the oven to 475 degrees. Next, oil the pan and work the dough into it. Then coat the top with cheese And sprinkle on the crushed tomatoes, olive oil, and salt and pepper. Brush some olive oil onto the exposed crush so it gets golden. Then, add the cut-up pieces of pineapple and ham. Put it into the oven and cook it for 15 to 20 minutes. Manja, and let's go Rangers!
0: Thank you, Frankie. As always, great job. And if if you don't follow Frankie yet, she's on Twitter now. She's... Sarah underscore Frankie um, so check her out you might have seen her at the Ranger game last week she went to game six with me and we had an awesome time and uh, if the Rangers were smart they'd, they'd hire her for their social media but anyway um, it was great Frankie's a good luck charm and uh, hopefully we get to go to a couple more games this year thanks to Anthony for coming on uh, I appreciate it I know he had a long season um, so I hope he enjoys the time off and gets back to work pretty soon because we'd all like to see him uh, see him out there on the big stage again. Uh, it was great. And I know you make your father very proud. Something else I'd like to touch on uh, before we go is you, you heard us talk about Anthony's mom uh, a little bit in this. Um, and really hockey moms in general, uh, I think, are the best moms. But uh, I might be biased in that. But uh, his mom, Mary Jane, as we mentioned, is a nurse. But she's more than that. She's also an advisory board member with the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation. So now uh, we talked about no quit in New York. Um, Well, she also embodies that, you know, she now takes the time to volunteer and help other families and other first responders dealing with the same illnesses um, that her husband dealt with. Uh, And I think that's great. And I think that's what our community is all about. I think that's what hockey moms are all about. So uh, thank you to her uh, for everything that she does. And thank you to all the hockey moms out there. We love you and we appreciate you. And once again, I'm going to call for America to find a little bit of civility. I was just on Twitter and I saw a a sitting member of Congress refer to somebody else as a scumbag in one of her tweets. We can't do better than that. I, I mean, it's not, it's not that hard to tell somebody off without cursing. Right. Um, I've done it. One of my favorite moments in Washington, um, something that I I prided myself on was my ability to tell people off uh, without them even knowing it, um, was I did just that. uh, And I left the meeting and one of the other team members came over to me. He's a very educated guy. He's an attorney. And he said, you just told that guy to go fuck himself and he didn't even know it. And I just laughed. I said, you're absolutely right. Uh, There's a way. Um, We all could do it. Um, But we also can have debates and and discussions without resorting to using uh, language like that. You know, America right now is a shitty 80s high school movie. That's how our politicians are behaving. Um, You know, all all that's missing is the uh, is the montage. So in all seriousness, can we stop stop electing these people? You know, and, and. I'm sure this is this is for an episode of Independent Americans, but we need to address the issue of closed primaries. Right. It's not right that these primaries are funded with tax dollars. But yet in in most places, 40 percent of the people, the independents don't get a vote. So I'm funding these elections, but I can't vote in it. I don't get to decide. You know, I'm not saying I should vote in both parties primaries, but you should get to pick one. Right? Is that asking too much? I don't get to decide which, who, 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 who runs for office, but, but I get, but I have to pay for, for the election to take place. I don't know. I know Paul's covered that on his, on his show. Um, but for me, that's just another part of, of the problem in this country. You know, like I said in the beginning, uh, <laughs> we're not a democracy. Um, and, and, and we're not nearly as free as people think. We, we, we have rules for everything. Uh, you have to ask for permission to drive a car. You have, to, you, you have to ask for permission from the government to cross a bridge now. Uh, well, not now. That's not new. But everything we do, we need permission from the government. So uh, let's keep our eyes on the prize, right? Let's stop fighting with each other and start holding people accountable. With that, let's move on to this week's Senior Man Tip. It comes to us from Sandy Spring Volunteer Fire Department down in Maryland. We're in barbecue season, right? And July is peak month for grill fires. Leaks and breaks were the factor in 11% of grill structure fires and 23% of outside and unclassified grill fires. Check your grill for leaks. Uh, Make sure it's not broken. Um, But the leading cause is improperly cleaned grills. Make sure your grill is clean. Make sure it's clear of debris. Um, and, and make sure you're being safe when you're cooking because you don't want to burn your house down. You don't want somebody getting hurt or injured, right? Let's all barbecue safely. Let's enjoy the, uh, the freedoms uh, that this country provides for us. So enjoy, have a cold one, but make sure you do it safely. And as always, stay low, my friends. Subscribe now at staylow.us or wherever you get your pods. Be sure to leave us five stars. You can join the squad at patreon.com slash the firefighters podcast. We're powered by righteous media. powered Power. by righteous media.